Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Thank you again for joining me on the Football and Feelings podcast. Um, I was speaking to Jamie Wills today, who's a good friend of mine who came through the ranks at West Brom. And as the time sort of came for him to move into the first team, he sort of just lost his passion for the game and he decided to walk away, um, which was a brave decision from him, of course. Um, but, you know, if you're not passionate about it, what are you, what are you meant to do? Um, sorry about the sound quality. Unfortunately, the original audio got deleted, so I've had to sort of put together what I can with the audio taken from the cameras. But um, yeah, so bear with me on that one. Um, but yeah, enjoy. Reach out to us on the social media platforms if you want to get in touch, recommend a guest, or if you have a question. Cheers. Are you still going to West Brom much? I am for my seasons, mate, yeah. yeah. Dragging, dragging my kids down there, mm. kicking and screaming. Have a season ticket? No, mate, don't have time for that, to be honest yeah. with you, with work and the kids. So uh, probably go down once once a month, something like that. How old are they? Seven and ten. Are enjoying it? Yeah, I think they like the footlong hot dogs, if I'm being <laughs> honest, <laughs> as opposed to the football after time. But yeah, no, they enjoy it. It's a, it's a good club, good family club. So. There was no chance of them being a Wolves fan or a no, Villa I'd, fan, I'd, was there? I'd throw them out of the house. It's absolutely <laughs> non-negotiable. I'd be on, the, on the street. I'm Are they a big fan of football? Do they play? Or? Uh, yeah, well, the older one, more rugby. The younger one, he, he, he's a decent little footballer, but... Um, just, just trying to get him into it. Really, he's a bit shy, believe it or not. He must get it from his mother, but, um, but he's, he's, yeah, he's talented. He's got, he's got a bit about him. So. Do you remember playing when you were that young? Yeah, yeah, I remember it really well. Uh, from probably, oh, probably the age of six. I remember, you know, the tryouts for the local team in Solly all over the park in the, the rain and the wind and the frost and <laughs> freezing, freezing your bits off. Um, but yeah, very happy days. Yeah. Very happy. Were you a striker? I was actually, I mate, yeah, I was, um, I was actually a left winger, uh, so I got useless on my right foot. Used to be used to be quick when I was thin and young, uh, <laughs> many, many moons ago, mate. Um, so, Underplaying yeah, yourself, James. No, I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd, I used to score a few, so I had uh, seven in one game, was a was a, a record for wow. the region. I'm sure that's been long obliterated. Wow. Um, Sign him then, up. Yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then made me way backwards. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So how, how did... I know you got picked up by West Brom. How old were you when that happened? I was, oh, blimey, probably probably 10, something like that. Okay. So it was like the young, un- under yeah. 11s, yeah. How did that come about? Just just from playing from a good local side, scoring a few goals and just scouts, really. They'd come down and watch. Exactly, you know, nothing fundamentally changed now other than the, the age they try and pick them up. Um, you know, as we were mentioning a little bit earlier now, it's it's getting younger and younger because of the money involved in the game, which uh, I don't really agree with. Because uh, it's you know it takes a little bit of the fun out of the game, mm. which um, you know there's a lifetime to do that. So, so when you you got picked up by Villa, um, West Brom, sorry, oh, I swear, honestly, oh, curse words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when you got picked up by them, were you, were you a West Brom fan before that? Um, 
being brutally honest, I was mm. I, I was sort of uh, my dad's a massive Villa fan, um, and he used to take me down the Holt End when I was little. We used to carry mm. a bucket down there and literally stand on the terrace and <laughs> watching Tony Daly and Cascarino and mm. these sorts of characters. So um, I, I, I was taken down the Villa. I, yeah. I kind of enjoyed it, but um, but ever since I got involved with West Brom, it's uh, a brilliant club, mm. really good, friendly family club. Never any trouble down there, and um, yeah, I've been. Been a fan ever since. How did how did you feel when that came about? Because I, I obviously that never happened to me. I can't imagine. Um, like I'm an Arsenal fan. I can't yeah. imagine randomly getting recruited by Arsenal and I'm going to. You might have a chance now. To be fair, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it it just seemed a natural thing, really, because again, it was just just something that I was good at. I, I was saying to your colleague earlier, you know, I can't draw, I'm, I can't wire a plug mm. still, I'm, you know, there's a lot of stuff I can't do, awful with musical instruments, even ruined a triangle, but um, I was just good at kicking a football, so it's kind of all you, all you, all you know, really. So, um, yeah, was, I was really pleased, and um, I, one fond memory, I had um, the local... Evening Mail, Birmingham picked up the story when I signed schoolboy forms at, I think, 15. And had um photo in there with Ozzy Ardiles, who was the manager at the time. So uh, that was pretty cool, meeting yeah. him. And I was actually the same size as him at 15, <laughs> and I'm quite small. So Was it him that signed you? Yeah, well, technically, yeah. yeah. So I'd say uh, 15 signing School of Excellence forms. Um, so that was interesting. But, yeah, he was tiny. But, yeah, the first, first time I'd sort of met you know, bit of a bit of a legend, really. Yeah, didn't course, didn't yeah. really quite understand, you know, probably at the time, but um, still got the photo at home in the yeah. shed somewhere. I think. So you only you only look back on those times with fond memories, obviously. Yeah, massively, massively. As I said, um, you know, sport. You meet some brilliant people, and um, you know, some really good friends, and mm. um, have a right good laugh as well. What was the culture like in the? Is there like a dressing room culture at that young of an age? How does? How does that work? Because obviously you're just sort of just hanging around with your mates playing football, yeah, to a certain extent when you're that age. Yeah, at that, at that age, obviously you're, you know, you're only playing, probably training once a week with the pro clubs back right. then. Um, um, so you, you never really got there was never a, a sort of a you know it was, you were nervous. It was professional. Mm. It was exciting. Um, but there was a lot of throughput of different people. So there'd be people coming in and out on trial all the time mm. so it was difficult really to to get much of a, a culture going because you were there sort of very very part-time I guess things change when you go full-time and that yeah. was a bit later down the track yeah did you did you go full-time eventually yeah yeah so um left school I was offered uh, what they classed back in the day as a, a two-year apprenticeship YTS scheme right. which basically meant you got paid absolute sod all so these these <laughs> These visions of footballers earning loads of money—it's uh, mm. the you know it's the top one percent and still is really. Um, so yeah, so I, I was offered a two-year YTS um, scheme, which was full time. So um, that was really exciting. Had a hell of a party when I found out about that. Um, yeah, woke yeah. up three days later, um, <laughs> but it was it was it was brilliant. But obviously, it, it stops you then going to college and university and the usual mm. route. So again, I'm sure we'll come on to these things, but there's knock on effects to people that people don't see. Yeah. Um, but you know, I couldn't turn the opportunity down. It was Yeah, of course. Yeah. Opportunity of a lifetime. Well, did you have like a, a role model around you that was, you know, you went to Villa with your dad at the time. Did you, 
did he sort of support you and push you into that or was it all on your own accord? No, nah, my dad was phenomenal to be fair. I was very lucky. Um very lucky with, with you know, the family and the backing. Um to be fair. It's you know, now now at my age with younger lads, you, you only now appreciate the uh you know, the dedication, the support, the time, the cost, the travel, um, you know, of, of your parents. It's all very well when you're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen playing football and mm. You know, running round, you get hot, you're having fun. Um, I now know what it's like to stand on the side of a pitch while the wind's howling and the rain's hammering down. and <laughs> It ain't much fun, I can yeah. tell you. Um, so, no, I was very lucky. My dad was incredibly supportive. Um, you know, give me a little shove along occasionally when it was needed, I think, which all kids probably do. But he was never, you know, never pushy about it or, you know, he was just very supportive. And, yeah, I was very lucky to be fair with as one thing, that's one thing I never appreciated when I was playing like Sunday league. Like, oh, just playing in horrible places at half ten on a Sunday morning. I, I, I almost was oblivious to the fact that that was that had to become a part of my parents' day, and it wasn't already. They weren't going to be doing that already. They had to turn up, just getting covered in rain, covered in mud, and bless them. They don't even like football either. My parents. Wow. So they, were, they were just doing it for me. Yeah, bless true, them. true love, isn't it? Um, yeah. No, you don't. I think I think that's the beauty as well with my boys now. You, you know you. You don't want your kids to have to think about the sort mm. of, you know, you, you just want to let them get on with it. I think it was took me, I was about, looking back, probably about 25. I went out for a few beers with my dad one night and, um, you know, just sat there and thanked him. Mm. Uh, and that was probably the first time because it wasn't until you sort of look back and grow up a little bit that you appreciate the, the commitment from, and it's like the same with all the pro players now, it's the families around them and yeah, the friends course. around them and, you know, the yeah. girlfriends, wives mum's dad's it's uh yeah. massive it's crucial isn't it to have a support network around you yeah. you still feel like you have that now that you're not in the game do you still feel like you you have that yeah they, i think they still like me still <laughs> yeah. um but now nah, i'm very lucky just got a brilliant brilliant family mm. a lot of people didn't and don't so again i'm conscious i'm you know very fortunate um mm. and you see a lot of i played with a lot of players and you see a lot of players now they clearly haven't got the right people around them um in their ear and Mm-hmm. You see some really super talented people. I played with some phenomenal people that have never never made it professionally um, because of the support infrastructure is not there, or the, the wrong influences, or the, there's so many factors that can come into it. But yeah, having a solid family base is fortunate and key, I think. Mm-hmm. So when you were at West Brom, did they have like a support <clears throat> network within the club, or is it very much of like a just a chain of players coming along? We'll have him, won't have him. Like yeah, a, I'm, a wheel. I'm afraid to say it was a little bit of the latter. Mm. With all due respect, I am going back, you know, a few years now. I'm 41 now, um, mm. so it was a few years back. But the games come on so much in many ways, not so much in many others, um, which you know we, we'll probably talk about later. Um, so no, there wasn't really there wasn't really an emphasis on you know, what happens to the people that doesn't make it and, yeah. and that's the majority. Mm-hmm. Um so coming back to the YTS days, there'd be you'd probably have thirteen, fourteen lads every year taken on and there was the first years and the second years, so a sort of a squad if you like of twenty five, twenty eight players. Um obviously, you know, the second years they'd come to the end and the club would have to make a decision. Yeah. Who do they take professionally or not? Mm-hmm. And the the you know success rate there, they they probably take maximum two maybe three but 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 normally two sometimes one out of 13 or 14 every year and that's just from yts to sign professional forms so it just shows you the success rate 
yet all of these lads have probably a lot of them used to you know travel from all over Bristol Manchester moved down here um but the the success rate following those two years was was very low mm. and again these are the things that a lot of people don't get to see um and back in the day when I was doing it it was um there was virtually no emphasis on what about the players that don't make it which is yeah. the majority yeah I'll just say, those years as well they're such influential years in deciding how your future is going to be and you're giving them up to play football and then all of a sudden you're told no you can't be doing that anymore obviously you might find another club if you're lucky but then you've given up <clears> like you say those college years and then I don't know it's hard it's hard to to judge where you could go from there I guess yeah massively um and as I said that you know statistically it was the majority mm. didn't get didn't get taken on and you're right you're sort of two years behind we did, you know, as part of the the, the apprenticeship, you, you'd go on a um, day release. Right. Uh, <laughs> that sounds nice. It does, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, and 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 you know, it was very very funny back in the day. But looking at it now, it's, it shows you how far away it was. There was there was literally, you know, we used to meet up at St Andrews, and so you'd have all the Midlands clubs. I think it was Thursday, Wednesdays or Thursdays. And so we'd all meet up at St Andrews from all, you know, Warsaw Wolves, the Villa lads, the Blues lads. So it was brilliant. So you mm. get to, there's some, some cracking lads, still good friends now. And, and the criteria literally was five GCSEs and above, you get on this coach mm. and you go to Henley College in Coventry and do a two-year HND in business and finance, I think it was. Um, less than five GCSEs, you go on this coach and you go and do a, you know, a life-saving course for two years. And I, I, I kid you not, that's... That's what it was. Luckily, I managed to scrape eight or nine GCSE, oh, so I got on the, the Coventry coach. Um, so that was kind of the the investment into education, um, pretty minimal. Mm. Yeah. See, I can't I can't imagine that because now our generation, we're told, regardless of your your sort of educational ability, you can still do anything realistically, even if you have to take another route like doing BTEC at college. It's it's not yeah, it's nothing like that now. Nothing yeah. at all. Um, back to the sort of team culture when you were playing, you hear a lot of uh, a lot of ex pros talking about how when they were younger, they would be like washing the first team players' boots oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Was that was that right when you were around? Yeah, it was. Um, as I said, back when I was doing it, it was I think it was thirty seven pound fifty a week. Mm. You weren't, so um, you ended up having to. You know, sell your match day tickets if you're living away in digs and stuff. Um, so most of the lads, you'd get two tickets for a game and first team game. So most of the guys would nip out of the stadium, down to the corner, sell their tickets for 10 or 15 quid just to top up the wages. So, you know, the whole notion of football and money and fame and all that sort of stuff, as I say, it's, it's there, but it's, it's the, you know, really is the top zero point whatever percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it, it wouldn't wouldn't change any of it, but um, you know, some tough times as well. To be fair, yeah. How did or what age did you stop stop playing? How did that come about? Yeah, um, I feel I feel fortunate in my kind of story, really, that yeah. it was kind of in in my control. It wasn't taken away from me by you know the, you hear the sob stories of ruptured ankles and cruciates and broken legs and all that sort of good stuff. Um, none of that was for me. So I did I did the two years YTS scheme and. Very fortunately, there was myself and another lad called Lee Knight, um, who ironically was the only other local Birmingham lad mm. so of the 14 of us, that, 13, 14, that got took on in, in our year. There was only me and Lee from the Midlands, and, and so slightly ironically, the, the only two of us that were given a professional contract at the end of the two years was myself and Lee. 
and all the other guys went back, as I say, to, to Bristol, Manchester, London, um, and, and, and sort of, you know, moved on that way. Um, but yeah, so did signed professional contract, which was brilliant, you know, did some incredible things and had the amazing opportunity of playing at Old Trafford and places like that. It was pretty cool. Um, but I'd, I'd got to a point I wasn't, I just wasn't enjoying it. Um, right. and that sounds very hard to sort of believe really, cause it's, um, you know, it's, it's the national sport, I guess. Um, but, but the simple thing was, as I said earlier, it was just the thing that I was good at. No good at art, no good at music, can't sing, can't wire a plug. Um, didn't massively enjoy school. I was always fairly bright and got the grades I needed, but um, that really wasn't the route for me. Um, it was just I was good at kicking a football. So that's all I knew from the age of six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, yeah. all the way through to you know eighteen at the end of your YTS, and then got took on professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so you, all I knew. So you almost you almost felt obliged to do it, obligated to do it, just because that's sort of all you knew to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't go that far. I mean, it, it was brilliant, don't get me wrong. And I look back now and some of the things I've done and seen and experienced through it are, are brilliant. And, and, you know, as I say, I feel very, very lucky and fortunate to do so. Um, but the realities of football was, you know, we would finish, we'd start training at half nine, finish at 11, half 11 some days. I was never into golf, um, mm. which was a bit of a rarity. So literally all the first team and most of the pros would go and play golf, go to the Belfry, whatever. Um, I didn't, um, and I found myself sort of, you know, bored, uh, for want of a better word, to be fair. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the days became quite long and just didn't, you know, didn't get the buzz from it that, mm-hmm. that, I, that you need. It's like yeah. anything, talent is, you know, talent's 50%. It really is at best mindset and attitude and, and, and real love for the game. It's like anything, you've got to have the passion for it. And for whatever reason, as I say, I just, I didn't live it and breathe it. I was just good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I did leave, um, I, I left on my terms. I was offered an opportunity with Warsaw to go and sign for them and probably go into their first team. But as I said at the time, I, I just had enough with the game really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as I said, looking back, wouldn't change anything, took the opportunity, went to America and did three summers coaching over there in Texas and California and did oh, some wow. brilliant stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I can look back and, you know, I don't feel bitter about it because I kind of, as I said, I, I, I walked away from the game, not... Mm. not On your own terms. Yeah, yeah. Look so back now, I wouldn't mind 200 grand a week, don't get me wrong, <laughs> uh, that, uh, that'd be pretty cool. But, um, but no, you make decisions based on everything at the time mm. and so I can sleep easy and you know look back now fondly and so you don't re- have any re- realize how lucky it was you don't have any regrets at all yeah 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 now yeah yeah now I sort of you know you look back and uh, and you know hindsight and everything's great but I've always been very committed that whatever age I've been you know base you know I make decisions based on the full picture and the circumstance mm. at the time and yeah. um yeah, I, I I know that at the time that was the right thing for me to do. As I say, and I've been very very fortunate, and um, you know walked away pretty unscathed, really. Yeah. How did the uh, coaching in America come about? Um, my good friend, who's now now quite senior at uh, Tottenham, we we were sat around one day at Solihull College. I, I went back to um, Solihull College to to sort of you know having having travelled a bit and coached. I, I came back and said, well, what do I do with my life now? Um, at this point, I'm sort of 20 years of age, 2021. 
and I'm going, haven't been to university, no degree, been kicking a football, yeah. what do you do? Um, and we were just chatting one day and um, there was a, I think it was like a Bunak, I don't know if that still exists, but it was like a student travel program that they ran at Solihull College and they, they said, right, you know, anyone who's interested in, you know, working in soccer camps and, and doing, you know, normal camps over in America, come along. So I, yeah. I, I grabbed hold of my mate Nathan, as say he, he played for Warsaw YTS and that's where we met. On the on the bus, the Coventry bus, I may hasten to add the <laughs> five plus GCSE, um, and and we, we we were just great mates, and I, I dragged him to to listen to this speech, and um, we both you know loved travel and had a bit of fun, and we yeah. said right, let's let's go for it, yeah, um, and and that was it really. Looked into a little bit more, and and then we were approached by a, a company that run soccer camps in Texas, um, offered us much better money than doing a normal summer camp job, mm. less hours purely kicking a football around yeah. so it uh, didn't take a lot of selling really yeah so you, did you never think that you could have gone into into like the sort of standard coaching route didn't have um, and... yeah didn't didn't have any interest in it to be honest um I, I i took my ua for b license just just failed that by 20 i got 24 out of 25 mm. uh, so i was a mark short i still don't know what i missed out on <laughs> but again i think it was a bit of a sign but um the reality was that the, the difference between football or soccer in America um, and here is obviously night and day and uh, over there it was you know warm weather good money people you know appreciated your your knowledge and your help um, whereas the bits of coaching I did for the FA over here you know the weather was mostly rubbish mm. um, all the parents you know believe they are you know Jose Mourinho or Pep Guardiola <laughs> and their kids are the best players in the history of the world um, so it's just a very, very different environment, and mm. um, so that was never an option for me, really. Yeah, that's fair enough. Could you see yourself coaching the Sunday League teams of your boys? Oh, do you know that's a that's an internal battle that I've been having for years, <laughs> and I'm sort of half, half glad my ten year old actually plays rugby, not football. <laughs> yeah. But the seven year old, um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to mm. be difficult because um, what what's really hard is I, I go along to watch the training and. The quality is awful. There's no right. other way of putting it, right? It, it, it's awful. Um, however, I very quickly then check myself and say, I also know that the time and the dedication that the people who do this and commit to this is unbelievable. Mm. And, and if they weren't doing it, there would be no team for my kid to go and play in. Um, but but I, I massively understand and know the thankless task that these guys do, especially in the grassroots. Um, massive hats off to them. But um, as I say, there's a there's I think there's a massive lack of coaching standards and education and quality. Um, but as I say, I can't really overly criticise if I'm not prepared to step in. If the seven year old gets into a team and 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 you know, it'd probably be very hard for me to to not get involved by yeah. just just by default. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to put it off as long as possible. Yeah. You could be the uh, the aggressive lion, maybe in the future. Yeah, the biased one yeah. who just flags yeah. purely for our stuff. Yeah, yeah, possibly that's 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 an option. <laughs> Going back to um, your West Brom days, do you remember uh, when you realised that you didn't want to play anymore? Was there like a certain day that uh, that sort of came about? I think um, I can't I can't remember the exact game to be fair, but um, I think I think the tipping point, yeah, there, there was. I was training really well, obviously a young pro at the time, training with the first team, doing really really well, 
um, getting picked, you know, we'd, we'd have games every day and, you know, I was getting picked, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh, something like that out of 25 mm. squad. And that was including the first team at the time. So you had all the, you know, the top players in there. Um, so I was playing really, really well, playing well for the reserves, getting man of the match for a couple of games. And there was a, there was an injury at left back, which is where I played um, in the first team. And the manager at the time, um, Alan Buckley, um, really nice guy, funny, very interesting character. Um, he, he he basically put a centre half at left back um, in the first team, and you know myself and I think probably quite a lot of the, the lads really were expecting me to get the call up. Um, so I guess that 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 moment there, I sort of looked at it and I thought, you know, if he if he doesn't fancy me and going to give me the shot now. I'm not sure what else I can do really. Um, so I guess that was the that was probably the moment. Um, and then they got turned over three 0 on the weekend, and the left back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, won't well. I won't name names. Won't name names, but yeah, the left back who was a centre half, to be fair, got murdered. So, um, but that was that was pretty much it really. And my mind was made up, and I I came home, spoke to my dad and well, my parents, um, and just went. That's that's enough for me really. Mm-hmm. How did that feel to not get the call up then? That must have been quite hard to take. Yeah, I was a bit surprised. Is probably the word because all the lads were sort of going right. You know, you're in here. This is mm. this is the chance. You know, get ready. Blah 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 blah. Um, and then when it doesn't come, um, yeah, it's a bit of a kick in the nuts. To be fair, mm. um, but um, football, as I said, it's it, it's a really harsh world out there, and it's a bit like any employment really. If, if the manager at the time doesn't like you for whatever reason if he doesn't fancy you um you're not going to get a look in and, mm. and it's the same today you know there's players get frozen out and i'm not saying that's the best player in the history of the world but I, you know the, i should have gone in at that point um and and if for whatever reason you know he 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 you know said to me that he was protecting me because he didn't think i was quite ready um to which i said well if i'm not ready now i'll never be ready um and that's kind of how the chat went really and and the rest. Uh, and then, so you went to went to the manager. You speak to him. Yeah. How did how did that guy walking into his into his office? It was um it was interesting. It was a it was an interesting meeting. To be fair, um I think he was pretty surprised. Um I think he expected me to go in and have a little moan um, mm. and say I told you so, um, which I probably did actually. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I literally went in and said, look, I've had a long weekend thinking about everything um and i want to i want to go um so he didn't see it come in pretty surprised thought i was joking actually at first um and i just said no i said look it's you know that that was the catalyst but actually if i've been truthful to myself i I just was not enjoying it Mm. really at the time that's quite refreshing to hear actually because a lot of people probably wouldn't see that perspective they'd see you living a boyhood dream uh every every little kid's dream who likes football in the country but then like not everyone enjoys it. That's that's just the facts. You can't force someone. Just you know, no amount of money. It can. I mean, how do you think you'd feel? Not now, but how do you think you'd feel if you sort of pushed yourself to carry on playing? Do you think you would have come through it and enjoyed it, or do you think you would have it would have just chipped away at you? It's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I don't know is the honest answer. I look back and um, you know, you you do you do think. Um, you know, you do think if if I would have carried on, what would have happened? Um, but then the other part is, you know, I, I made I made the decision at the time based on fact, and um, as I say, you know, slept slept pretty easy about it. Really. Mm. So after you came back from America, um, 
what was the tanned yeah surfer yeah of yeah, course yeah. how did what happened then how did you what was the next step yeah so this was the fun bit really uh literally came back um bumped into my now wife who i went to school with randomly on a night out um and sat there and sort of went well what do i do now mm-hmm. um you know i'd pr- put it off as long as possible and I'd, I'd gone back to Solihull College, as I said, in between the coaching in the summers and, and got myself um, a BTEC in business and finance and a HMD in sports science. Um, so I've got some qualifications. But again, like a lot of students now, I sort of went, well, now what? I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. So I was looking at, um, in between that, actually, I was offered a potential to go over and play in America. Um, really considered that. And as I say, things got serious with the now the now wife. So that got knocked on the head. Um <laughs> But yeah, it, it, it's um, came back and, and sort of had to find out what I was going to do and had to, you know, I was now sort of, you know, probably 21 at this point. Um, Mum and dad didn't want me living at home forever and mm. neither did I, to be fair. Um, and with my girlfriend and I said now wife, it was, you know, we needed to sort of crack on and get our own place. But it was sort of, well, what are you going to do to pay for it? In the meantime... I'd um, started work on a cocktail bar, so a bit of Tom Cruise-ish sort of situation. <laughs> so I started work um, now on a cocktail bar. Um, had a brilliant time, actually, looking back. It's fantastic. Just working part-time there, earning a few quid while I was back at college, getting mm. my qualifications. And then very weirdly, uh, one of the one of the waitresses um, who also worked there, her, her husband was a massive West Brom fan. Um, her father-in-law was a massive West Brom fan and season ticket holders. Um, and she said to me, she said, um, they run a business and they're looking for a sales executive. And I think you'd be great. What do you reckon? And I'd always been quite confident and chatty and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah. And um, so I, I knew that was maybe a career I could possibly look at. So I met up with him and literally within 10 minutes, he'd offered me a job. So I'd secured me first job into sales and, so when you, before that came about and you're in that stage where you didn't really know what to do, how how did you feel about that? Is that something that I know for me when I don't have like a purpose mm. or like something to focus on, I, that really chips away at me and it makes me feel, almost, you, you almost feel pointless to a certain extent. Yeah. That's how I felt anyway. But how did, how did you feel? Yeah, you're spot on. It doesn't matter what you do, uh, football or education. Um, like I say, if you haven't got a, clarity of purpose um it's a bit of a struggle so you know typically i was working on the bar on the nights mm. so it was late night finishes it was great lots of drinking lots of fun <laughs> lots of going out met some cool people um but yeah that that not knowing um was very very difficult i'd um i, I went back and i was playing for kidderminster harriers at the time they were sort of in the conference um just to earn some money to supplement really again but that kind of that that became worse because I couldn't get any form of um, buzz or excitement in front of playing in front mm. of hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, just couldn't, you know, just gave me no adrenaline. Um, it's probably, probably the, the best thing. And then went from there um, and then went to Moore Green, who is now Solio Moores, um, who you probably know who merged with Solio Borough. Had a brilliant time there. Actually enjoyed my football for probably two years, and that's because we had a brilliant manager, brilliant set of lads. Really enjoyed being back in the, you know, in the changing room. That's the bit you do miss when you're not doing it, and that's a bit I, you know, I look back now fondest. You miss the banter and the, mm. the camaraderie. Um, 
so yeah, having having a really limited purpose, as I sort of tripped over the getting into sales, but I knew that would be a viable option for me to start building a, a career outside of football, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you, sort of in your day-to-day, when you find, <clears throat> when you feel like stressed or anxious about anything, do you have like any coping mechanisms that sort of help you get through that sort of thing? Because you talk, from my perspective, you seem like uh, one of the most laid-back people I've met. Oh, very talkative, no, quite chirping. <laughs> no, mate. But, you know, no, what, are no, we no. Not, what are we not seeing? Oh, all sorts, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm pretty highly strong, to be fair. Um, and, and having the sport release, you know, that definitely helped me. So how did I get around that? Um, honestly, couldn't tell you. Um, looking back, um, started going to the gym and stuff like that a little bit. Um Fishing is my escape mechanism. Oh, okay. So there you go, a bit of a bizarre one, but I know a load of the players do. So you need something. I didn't play golf. Um, mine was fishing, same thing. Get in the middle of nowhere, think about nothing. Hopefully catch a few fish, catch a bit of sun um, and just relax. Yeah. And still today, that's that's probably my one go-to relaxation method, yeah. really. I think everyone's got one or they should have one. That's mine. Um, that's great though not so handy in the winter though <laughs> yeah, yeah of course I used to play golf never found it relaxing oh never. Did, no, I, just no, did, no. I just can't do it I'm, I, every you're hitting a, the same shot constantly shanking them off to the right and I can't find that relaxing even when no. I got relatively good I just didn't find it relaxing no that would it would do my the, the reason I couldn't do it is um, if I couldn't be really good at something yeah I just didn't want to do it and yeah, I looked yeah. at golf I, I've, I've tried a few times of course I did but like you said, blimey, that is, I mean, there's a million components yeah. to hitting a ball. Um, um, and yeah, I didn't fancy that at all. I'd have, I'd have ended up snapping far too many golf clubs, uh, mm. to be brutally honest. Yeah. So I stayed away from it. So a lot of people, when they get sort of stressed and anxious, a lot of them, a lot of people meditate. I don't know if this is something you've ever tried, but mm. uh, a lot of people do. But it sounds like you going fishing, you're almost when you go fishing, you're almost forcing yourself to slow down, aren't you? Yeah. To, and to completely relax. 100%. How, how does that feel? I imagine it's quite a... I should try, yeah. yeah. I'll take you down the canal in a few weeks. No, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I, I try and, you know, some people, there's loads of people, that are big, biggest pastime in, in the UK, I believe, mm. fishing, there you go. It's a surprising fact, potentially. <laughs> um, but when I try and explain it to people who sort of go, fishing, you're mad, what are you doing? You're not 95. It's, it, yeah. Um, I say to people, where you go is normally beautiful lakes or beautiful rivers, mm. and it's just the scenery is beautiful. There's just running water if you're on the river, ducks and birds going past. It's very hard to to not relax while doing it, yeah. and you're also obviously focusing on you know the fishing bit from mm. time to time, so you don't have chance to think about the day to day stuff and the stresses and the the, mm. the the anxiety stuff that comes. So yeah, um, I guess fishing is my golf. Yeah. Mm. Do you get stressed easily? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've always been. Um, I, th- I think it comes with my personal attributes. Were were sport wise were were speed and aggression. Mm. Um, so yeah. I, I loved getting stuck in, um, and always have been very very competitive. And again, to, to play football or any elite sport, you have to be competitive, and you have to be you know wired to not like losing as, as you just won't make it in any whatever the industry um so yeah so i don't i don't like losing too much at anything mm-hmm. uh, monopoly you 
know, darts, yeah. giddy wing crap, whatever it is. Never lost that competitive edge. No, yeah. still, still cheat when I'm playing against the kids <laughs> now. So, um, can't help it. Um, so, um, so yeah, no, I've, I've, I've always been very, very competitive. And I guess, uh, you know, you have to have a little bit of fire to, mm. to, to do that. Yeah, of course. But that helps you get through difficult times as well. I think having that sort of drive system within you, that definitely can help. Yeah, I think, um, as I said, I look back at the lessons that, that football's taught me and, and the opportunities I've been given. Um, and there's some brilliant transferable skills there. I think, um, you know, I'd recommend any sport, any team sport to anyone. Mm. It doesn't matter whether, how good you are or whatever is irrelevant. I think getting involved in sport is, is a brilliant thing. But if you can get involved in team sport, it teaches you a lot about camaraderie, banter you know you get involved in a lot of good fun as well meet some great people um but accountability as well and i think what's helped me you know progress from a business point of view is people management i'm sure my team will disagree and they'll be sat there shaking their head but um on a serious note i think you you realize very quickly within a team environment that that leadership can be done very different ways some people yeah. lead from the front quietly some people scream and shout some mm -hmm. people beat the chest so I've seen lots of different ways and different things work for different people. Um, so I think when you've been involved in captain sides and, and you know, play for your counties and all this sort of stuff, you realise that, that it takes different things to motivate different people. Yeah. And to be good at a team sport, you know, you, you've got to be a bit of a team player, to be fair. And I think those qualities really translate into work life, mm -hmm. personal life. Um, and have helped me massively to be fair. It's emotional intelligence, isn't it? It's like, like you said, no leadership style works for everyone. And now you're, what is, what is your role now? You're obviously working in recruitment. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a joint owner and, and MD of uh, recruitment mm -hmm. business in Birmingham. Um, so there's 13 of us and we're pretty rapidly growing really. So yeah. we launched it two years back. Um, so, so yeah, all, all the same things, motivation, um, accountability, mm. you know, when things aren't going well, the, the, you know, there's many ways to try and work it out and yeah. get people, you know, people don't hang around if they don't like you, um, mm. if they don't trust you, if you don't support them and all those sorts of qualities, massively transferable. Yeah. From the work perspective, perspective sorry. I was I was doing some research the other day. Oh, um, not, not about culture, don't worry. Right, um, I found that one in one in seven people experience mental health problems at work, yeah. which affects them doing their job. Uh, and the, the average amount of sick days for people per year is about seven days, and forty percent of those are because of mental health issues. Yeah. Do you obviously? I, I don't want to like invade anyone anyone's privacy, but do you find that that has that ever come up within your workspace? Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, not our current one, mm. to, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I see it all the time. Um, we're talking to candidates, being a recruitment business, we're talking to candidates and people all the time. Yeah. And a lot of the reasons for them wanting to move jobs is, frankly, they're not happy. Um, now, it can be a variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, I think those stats you told me, um, I think it's probably even worse than that, if I'm brutally honest. I mm. think it's a I think it's an evolving thing. It's it's the buzzword now in in yeah. employment in recruitment. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know everything now is about staff well being, mental health. Um, there's there's I mean there's loads of great stuff. It's a little bit like it, as I say, it's the, it's the go to subject now that everybody wants to now talk about. Yeah, cool. which is great. I, I think it's you know could have and should have happened many years ago. Mm. Um, and it's a it's a key area. Yeah. yeah.
of course. Right. Sort of coming away from the negative emotions. Mm. I, I want to talk about positive ones as well. Right, that's helpful. Um, yeah. Um, what do you, what makes you happy? I know it's a very broad question. But, Jesus. Yeah. It's not, not Jesus. Um, <laughs> what makes me happy? Oh, God, I think that's a lifetime's question and work, isn't it? I don't mm. know. Um, well, but, so maybe to rephrase that, do you, yeah. do you have like a... Uh, not to sound cheesy, but like a happy ending, I suppose. Oh, not, blimey. Yeah. That's the way this is yeah, going. Indeed. We are. Um, I, th I think for me, and again, it sounds awful, but the older you get, things change and your priorities change and the way you look at stuff. Um, happiness for me now is about my kids mm. being happy and having a good roof over their head and nice holidays and being in a loving environment and, and you know, the wife being happy occasionally, which is which is nice, work in progress. <laughs> Um, just being just being content and happy and for me um, genuinely it's about trying to become stress free um, I know that's the topic kind of here and feelings and stuff but um, you know pressure and stress isn't good for anybody and it's got you know really not great connotations so for me it's just about being happy mm -hmm. being around good people a bit like you said um, you know speaking you know being blokes um, I can go months without speaking to my best circle of friends because mm -hmm. we're all busy right um, in fact longer than that but I know that when I pick the phone up we can have a laugh we will we'll cry laughing about the same old shit stories <laughs> that, that make us laugh every time um, but it's just those simple things really just having a good group of people around you who you can talk to um, you know genuinely and, and yeah that's that's me. Do material things make you happy? No, I don't think they do. Um, in general, again, age helps kind of work this stuff out. I'll caveat that very nicely with the fact that um, to have nice stuff is not a bad thing. Yeah, um, and what, you know that's what I'm striving to do. And um, but to have no financial pressure. Is is my goal really not 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 the size of the house or you know the, the bigger the mortgage because I think you know you can go out and pretty much buy anything you like but whether you can afford it is another thing so I've I've, I've always again quite fortunate that my approach has always been you know if I can't afford it I won't have it so I've never fell into that trap that, that I think a lot of people do yeah. um, you know for, for right or wrong reasons really so um, I've always been quite fortunate and and um, but no I don't think material things do I think um, you know. They're nice to have, mm -hmm. um, and they make life easier for sure. Um, but no, I don't think that brings happiness. Now, what if I gave you a million pounds? Now I haven't got. That I thought you were giving me that. Turning up today. Um, no, if uh, if I gave you that, would that make you any more any happier? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it would mean I'd pay my mortgage off and mm. probably buy a house or two abroad <laughs> yeah. and spend more time on holiday. So, would that make me happier with? You know, been able to do that sort of stuff for me and the family, probably. Mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, it depends how you spend it, doesn't it? Obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it might life easier, I think, mm -hmm. for sure. But I think that uh, the novelty would would wear off eventually. It, but like like you said, it depends. It depends uh, how you spend it. If you spend it on sort of smaller things, because I found that. Um, doing some more research I found statistics. you're not a millionaire are you no I'm afraid sure? not <laughs> quite the opposite I'm a student <laughs> um, I found that spending money on frequent and smaller things such as like meeting up with friends going out for a drink going out eating um, rather than saving up and spending having like a big holiday or every two years or every year yeah. statistically 
those smaller things make you happier in the long run just because they sort of provide you a bit more of a life balance i suppose yeah. do you think you have that sort of uh work life balance there in no not yet no i'm working on that it's a work in progress um on a serious note it's um being being a business owner now is is the hardest thing i've ever done mm. lots of sleepless nights plenty of stress salaries you know you're responsible people's salaries and houses and families and so trust me that does come with you know with a decent amount of stress um but we try and we try and balance that off with having as much fun as possible so yeah. we've got you know we have a great culture at culture um and that's that's key to us and myself and my business partner we've worked together now for 15 years and i'd probably well the first thing i say to people is we we laugh every day we we absolutely cry laughing most days. So we've got a culture where, you know, it's as, as laid back as possible um, while still being commercial, as we'll be out of business and people won't have jobs. Yeah. Um, but actually having having fun and a good laugh has always been key to me back from the sport days to, to now. Fun, team around you, enjoying yourselves. Um, and I think if people are happy and having fun, you get a better performance anyway. Yeah. Again, whether that's sport or business, doesn't matter. So we're always trying to drive, you know, the fun aspect. Mm. And I think you were saying, um, personally now, coming back to giving it a bit of thought about the money stuff. For birthdays and Christmases now, I don't want I don't want a nice pair of jeans or a coat or a pair of shoes or or, or whatever it is. Because if I want that, I can get it. Yeah. Um, but I much prefer to go and do experiential stuff. So weekends away with me and the wife or with the kids, going places, doing stuff. Mm-hmm. So it sounds very cheesy, but experience-based stuff, that's yeah. the fun bit for me. So. They're the things you'll, you, you'll remember. Yeah, 100%. you When you're 60, 70 years old, you're not going to remember that pair of jeans that you got. You won't remember much, probably. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're absolutely right. No, it's, it's, it's pointless chasing mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Experiences, yeah. Uh, a big question, right? Uh, sort of just to sort of come towards the end with a bit of positivity. What about yourself are you most proud of? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be humble either. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying, I'm trying to just think of one, Liam. Um, what am I most proud of? Um, I try and do my best for people, um, I really do. Um, I'll support people wherever I can. Um, I do a lot of charity stuff. Um, I've, I've sort of, again, I've come to a point where I know who my really good friends are. So I'm very, very comfortable in myself. Um, I feel very lucky, very blessed that I've got a circle of people and family and friends around me um, that I could rely on. That you know, if the, if it hit the fan at any point, things would be cool. Um, and I'd do anything for for most people. To be fair. Um, and and that's probably, you know, work hard to provide for my family um, because, I, you know, so I want them to just have a really good life and have lots of great opportunities and be as lucky as I've been. Mm-hmm. Do you care about what people think about you? No. On the outside? No. Never, never have, to be honest. And again, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I feel very, very fortunate that I've, um, I've always been pretty comfortable and confident in my own skin. I realised a long time ago that not everyone's going to like you. Mm. Uh, you cannot please everybody. You know, if you look at anything in life, you, you can't. You've just got to be yourself, be true to yourself, be authentic. Um, and yeah, as I say, if people don't like me, that's that's cool. That's mm-hmm. that's up to them. Um, 
Um, you know, as long as a few people do and I feel I'm doing the right stuff, then I'll I'll sleep easy with that. Yeah. You're an amicable, amicable, oh, Christ, I words, amicable man, Jamie. Thank you very much for joining me on the Football and Feelings podcast. We'll probably round it up there. Um, I'm going to post some uh, useful links in the description uh, for like mental health charities and good coping mechanisms and things like that. Um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you again. Jamie. Pleasure, mate. Thank you good luck much. with it. Cheers. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.